1: What is going on? Welcome everybody into the overreaction sports show brought to you by the market dominator on the Buffalo rumblings vodcast network. I'm your host. I'm the voice of the overreaction sports show. My name is Joe Miller and you can find me as always on Twitter at Joe Miller wired. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. If you follow me there, I'm not super duper active. Um, it's also a little more personal to real life. You can absolutely follow me or friend me or whatever it's called. Um, I'll generally more than likely follow or friend you, friend you back. Um, but most of my activity as it pertains to social media finds its way to Twitter. But uh, welcome, everybody, into the Overaction Sports Show. It's so good to have you. Got a great show for you, super-duper good show for you, talking all things NFL Draft, all things Buffalo Bills Draft. And at the bottom of the hour, Mr. Exclusive himself will be joining us, Bruce Nolan, the one, the only. He's going to give us some quick hits on his thoughts, in regards to just some picks that the Bills made, uh, we're probably not going to have a ton of time to get into a lot of it because I talk a lot, Bruce talks a lot, and when you get Joe talks a lot and Bruce talks a lot together, then there's just a lot of talk. Uh, so we're going to try to do this thing uh, as quickly as we possibly can. But as we always like to say here on the show, what's up, Elliot Eisler? Elliot Eisler just jumped in the room. JR's in the room. Jason Humbert, good to see Richard Rush, my guy. Everybody else in the chat, uh, I got I got totally distracted because I haven't seen Elliot in a couple. I haven't seen him in a minute, but uh, <laughs> where I was going before up uh, to oh, Daniel Gowrich. Now you're all just getting up in here. But uh, before we move on, uh, before I get distracted any further, whether this podcast, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> whether This podcast finds you around a cup of coffee at the gym with your AirPods in on the drive to work or watching me live right now on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Let me just one more time say welcome. We are Super Chat Live. Uh, This is a podcast. It is a show where we Uh, Effectively, record a podcast live. There are no starts, there are no stops. Well, there was a start, there's no stops, there's no edits. It's completely live. If you want to get my attention, if you've got a comment or a question, please super chat me. It's not about the money, it's more about just making it show up on my screen in really bright colors so that I recognize it and see it. So that it breaks me away from my script, my outline, if you will. Also, whatever channel or platform you're watching or listening on, please do me a favor. Uh, and like and subscribe. But real quick, what I want to do is I want to get in a word from our sponsor, the one, the only, the Market Dominator himself. So hang on, here is Big John.
2: Introducing the Market Dominator. Folks, I'm John Spascheck. That's right, the Market Dominator. And I am the proud sponsor of the Overreaction podcast hosted by my good friend, Joe Miller. You know, his approach is absolutely outstanding. It's excellent. And that's what our approach is when we get into real estate. We help our clients win, just like our beloved team is doing week in and week out. So folks, if you want somebody representing you with the most cutting edge technology, using artificial intelligence and everything we can get our hands on to help you win, you reach out to me directly, 716 570-3298, 570-3298, we will answer our phone. And one more thing, go
0: Bills.
1: Go Bills, big John. For everybody that's looking to buy or sell a home, please call the Market Dominator team. Call John and his team. They are the best. I use them. And in case you're wondering, if you're watching live right now, you're wondering why he's got the blue tape on his jersey or on his, on his shirt, it's because they got a and d from the Buffalo Bills. They got a cease and desist. So he can't wear anything that shows the Bills logo. Neither can I as I'm covering up the logos on my shirt and my hat. So, but yeah, we've got a great show for you. Super thankful for John Spazchek and the Market Dominator team. He's helped a ton of people in this town. He's helped a ton of people that have actually called him from this show. Again, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, do the same thing that uh, a lot of my friends have done. A lot of my listeners have done, which is call John directly. Uh 165 one more time, just in case you didn't get it. Uh, draft experience. So for me, I love the draft. Um, I am not a draft Nick. I'm not one of the guys, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm borderline jealous, right, of the guys that uh, that 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 do the mock drafts. Like, I, I believe that Joe Marino has already done a mock draft for 2023. I'm, I'm jealous of these guys because there's a whole nother level to this whole football thing that we all love that I love. I come on here and I talk about professional football. I talk about the Buffalo Bills. I talk about you know the mafia. I talk about all the stuff that we love, but there's another level to it. There's another, there's another like sub-layer to it. There's a, a multiverse, if you will, to this whole football experience. And part of that, or a big part of that, is the draft and what goes in with the draft to include scouting players and watching college football, of which I do none of. I do absolutely none of. So Even with that being said of, of my total lack of knowledge, my, my ignorance, if you will, to college football, college football players, by and large, I was at probably the top 10 players every year that we hear about on ESPN and the NFL network and whatnot, uh, or the, just the radio in general, I'm widely just, uh, short there, but i love all that to be said. I love the NFL draft. I absolutely love, and I'll be, it was, it was in Cleveland and I was jealous. I couldn't go. It was in Nashville. I was jealous I couldn't go. And, I, and I've and i had a job traditionally that has not allowed me the time and the ability to get away as much maybe as I'd like to at certain times. You know, money, hotel rooms, flights, all that kind of crap, stuff like that. And then this year when it was in Vegas, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the jealousy that I had over my great friend, Jay Spence the King being in Vegas and just living that experience and everybody else that was there from Alyssa O'Reilly who was there and the cover one guys were there and just the, the mountains of Bills Mafia that got to be there and my my buddy Kenny Dudek was there and he said walking down the street in his Bills jersey and his Bills hat just the, the go Bills and the banter going back and forth and everybody was hyped I love the draft so I want to talk about the draft experience real quick um, but even when you talk about, and you think about just all, all the, the, the mocks that are out there and the guys that are self-proclaimed draft nicks and professionals and, you know, hobbyists, if you will, they do this, they don't do this for a job. They do this. Even the guys that get paid to do it, like the national dudes were way off. I mean, Peter Schrager had us taking Brees Hall. Um, I think I saw, uh, 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 Sorry, I think I saw Elam taken one time, Kyer Elam taken one time uh by one by one mock draft, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Bills' first round pick at 25. And obviously the Bills jumped up to 23 and get him, or t- got jumped up to 23 and got him. But this is why, if you think about it, if you watch what happened in this draft in 2022, this is why they are NFL GMs and you and I are not. <laughs> and dare I say, you know, when you look at the way that this draft unfolded. The amount of trades, the amount of teams that moved around, up and down and out, player movement is that that I mean this year was the first year that we had a, like a lot of player movement. So I'm going to trade you this wide receiver for that pick and your pick. There was just a lot of stuff that happened this year. When you think about that, the next time you're on a social media platform, whether it's Facebook and one of the many Bills Mafia groups, and people are talking about potential draft picks, or you're on Twitter talking about a mock draft, or you're in somebody's mentions talking about a mock draft, and they're kind of giving you. You know, maybe a little bit of a, a, hey, I know more about this than you do type of a spiel. Just remind them. Nobody knows anything about this. It's legitimately a crapshoot. And Thursday night for round one, it was, it was completely wild. Like I said, teams almost trading it well. GMs woke up Thursday morning and they chose chaos. Absolute legitimate chaos. They were like, you know what? We're just going to do whatever we want to do. A.J. Brown was traded to the Eagles right after Hollywood Brown was traded to the Cardinals. I couldn't believe either of those picks, or either of those trades, rather. It was unbelievable. There were 11 trades in total in round one on Thursday night in the 2022 NFL draft. And what's interesting to me, aside from all of the trading movement, what's interesting to me, aside from all of the trade movement, stick with me, is the Patriots, the New England Patriots, overreaching for Cole Strange in the first. And what wasn't interesting to me was that they overreached, hor- notice I didn't say reached, I said ov- over overreached. They overreached for Cole Strange bigly, hugely, amazingly, enormously large overreach for Cole Strange. Someone who was expected to go in the early 100s, I believe that it's on video, Sean McVay saying they had him at 104. The Patriots took him earlier than twenty-five, but what is what's odd to me about the Cole Strange pick isn't the pick that the pick that was Cole Strange because we've seen this happen in the past. We've seen the Raiders go up and get somebody that like everybody's like who who did they just take in the top five? Who did they just take in the top? We've seen this before. So it's not necessarily the pick that drives me crazy or that I found interesting or that frustrates me, and I'm going someplace with this, stick with me. It's the absolute benefit of the doubt that Belichick gets after making a ridiculous overreach pick like that. Like, if the Buffalo Bills make that pick... With the twenty third pick, the Buffalo Bills have moved up, or they stayed. They stayed tight at twenty five. The Buffalo Bills with the twenty fifth pick in the twenty twenty two NFL draft select Cole Strange, guard, Chattanooga. For the next six weeks, and the Bills have a legitimate need at interior offensive line for the next six weeks. The Bills are the laughing stock of every single program that's on, that's on the NFL, They're like that, or that that covers the NFL for the next six weeks. But because it's Bill Belichick, <clears throat> literally seven seconds after the shock of every of him picking that player, everyone is like, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, surely he's gonna be a good player. We we know, we all knew and, and we all know that Cole Strange is gonna be a good player in the NFL. We 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 knew we 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 all recognize he's gonna be a really good player. We just didn't see him going that early. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> What? Do you have a crystal ball? Because of the crapshoots, the draft, the NFL draft is the ultimate crapshoot. It's a gamble. There are no guarantees in the NFL. There's no guarantees in the NFL draft. Otherwise, guys like Alvin Kamara wouldn't go in the fourth. Stephon Diggs wouldn't go in the fifth. Devontae Adams wouldn't go in the second. There's no, Thurman Thomas wouldn't go in the second. There's no, there's no guarantee. There's no, well, we pretty much just kind of expected that that guy would be really good. I mean, he's a good player. We just didn't expect him to go in the first round. If you expect that a guy is going to be good, you take him in the first round. It's called can't miss. Right? There's no guarantees. Yeah, but he's a, he's a five-year starter at Chattanooga. How many of you listening to me right now know what conference Chattanooga's even in? I mean, I mean, but Joe, he's potentially a great franchise left tackle, and to get a franchise left tackle, I mean, that's a steal anywhere you draft him. No, he's a guard. I, I to me, you could make an excuse. You could be like, "Well, I can see it because he's going to be potential. He has the poten- potential to be a franchise left tackle." No, this dude's a guard. A guard. The benefit of, doubt, of the doubt, it's just it's just, how quickly people turned from what to, well, I get it. It's Bill Belichick. The whole thing is just baffling to me. Baffling. Not only the pick, and this is nothing against Cole Strange. Dude, Is I'm, I was about to say, I hope you work out. No, Cole, I don't. You're not only one of the biggest overreaches ever. You also went to the Patriots and everybody gave your head coach and general manager the benefit of the doubt for picking you. So I kind of hope you fail. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sort of rooting against you. So not only the pick, but whom they could have gotten Cole Strange in the second, they could have got him easily in the second round. Almost assuredly. My guess is just like Brandon Bean has told all of us in the pressers in the last couple of days, We have a board. They have a board. Everybody has a board. Everybody's board is different. However, every team has a guy that's assigned to almost like a GM for each team. So the Buffalo Bills have on their staff a guy who is intimately aware of what's going on with the Patriots roster. The Bills have on their staff a guy who's intimately aware with the Dolphins roster with the Chargers roster with the Packers roster they've got a guy who's intimately aware with all of the rosters and it might not just be one guy one guy might have two or three teams but they look at the dude or they look at their board and they look at who's in front of them and they go okay that's our guy we want that guy we want Cole Strange who in front of us has a need will the Buffalo Bills have a need for inside interior offensive line do we think the Bills are going to take interior offensive line or do we think they're going to take a corner Well, if I was a betting man, I'd probably say they're going to take a corner. Because both Zion Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, and Kenyon Green were both gone. Well, then we can wait. We don't have to worry about it right here. So who else is in front of it? Like there's dialogue that happens in the, as much as they shoot, like they put the camera in the draft room, right? And and we get this picture and everybody's just kind of sitting there watching the television. You can't see me, but for those of you in podcast land, I'm just like staring off into space. We've all seen the pictures, like everybody in the room is staring at the television. That's not what's happening when the kid, like when the cameras are off. Literally, they're having conversations. They're having dialogue. Brandon Bean talks about it. Who's on our board? Who do we have a, a first round rank on? There's no. Who do we have a second round grade on? Who do we have a third round grade on? What what do we? What are our needs? What who's in front of us that might take? Will they fall? Will they not fall? Blah 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 blah. They overreached horribly, and there's no other way to say it. There is no grace that should be shown to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. But it's amazing to me the grace that was given to him after this pick. This was the worst pick of the of the draft by a general manager who, oh, by the way, has been a horrible drafter for a decade, maybe longer. It was a ridiculous pick. Well, he's gonna be good. I mean, we knew he was gonna be good. We we really knew we knew he was gonna be good. We just didn't expect him to go in the first round. Well, if you knew he was gonna be good, you would have expected him to go in the first round don't shoot the messenger i'm just saying what everybody else should be saying it was ridiculous so kudos to anybody out there that's on the national beat mel kuiper saying that they had the worst draft this year because they did thoughts on vegas from the venue so the, the venue to me was sweet so switching gears rant over tirade over hope that was entertaining <laughs> multiple people announcing picks like early to me was fun there was, there was I, I, I'm one of the few people. Maybe I don't know because everybody boos Goodman or Goodell rather, Roger Goodell, Goodman. Listen to me. And it was funny at the one point when Roger Goodell came back out and he was like, like coaxing the crowd to boo him harder. He's like, "Come on, come on!" And they're all booing him. He's like, so I think he understands that it's a shtick. Like it's just something the crowd does. But even with my like for Roger Goodell as a presenter, as a human, like I like the guy for the most part, I'm not talking about his football politics. I'm not talking about the way that he runs the organization. I'm not talking about the way that he disciplines or doesn't discipline players. I'm just saying as a, as a human being, I like Roger Goodell and I'm actually proud of the fact that he's from Jamestown. He's a Western New York native, but I loved the current players coming out and making picks. That was really cool. I love the make a wish kids coming out. It was a great experience to watch just, they they won up themselves this year. They did a really good job. The dude from Minnesota, I, the former player, and I, his name escapes me, giving his entire life story to include not wanting to come to Minnesota to begin with and then never really walking it back. He's like, I'm just going to let you know I didn't want to come to Minnesota. Then we won a Super Bowl. Or no, no, we went to two Super Bowls and and, and then carried on from there. He never was like, I didn't want to come to – it wasn't the Jim Kelly story. I didn't want to come to Buffalo. In fact, I cried when I came to Buffalo. But you know what? I cried when I retired. Buffalo is now my home. And here I am 20 years later, and I still live in Buffalo. It wasn't that. It was literally, I didn't want to go to Minnesota. Inside of his life story, we went to two Super Bowls, blah, 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 blah. Keep going. And then the producer, the producer or whoever the stage manager is, physically comes out on the stage and tells him, read the card. (laughs) It was amazing. It was must-see TV. She walks out on the stage, read the card, and he's like, oh, I just got told to read the card. Unbelievable. That dude's never getting invited back, ever. And then Wayne Newton, of course, and and I tweeted this, and you know it's true. If you didn't see my tweet, I apologize or shame on you for not having me in your, like, (laughs) whatever your algorithms are for your feed. Wayne Newton comes out and I tweeted, I guarantee you the most Googled thing right now is how old is Wayne Newton? Because I did it and I put that out there on Twitter and I swear I had 20 replies. Me too. Yep. I Googled it. I Googled it as well. I wanted to know. I Googled it yesterday. Somebody put like, how old is Wayne Newton? That dude was, and he was only 80. I was surprised. I was expecting him to be like 91 or 92. It was crazy. Oh man. I digress. Stevie Johnson announcing the Bills' third pick. Uh, that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. That was cool. Uh, then apparently taking a red eye flight back to Buffalo for his football camp. Uh, shout out to the Buffalo or to the, the the Bills Mafia babes for being a part of that event. Uh, uh, Kristen Kimick, uh, just everybody involved with that. With Stevie, that's freaking awesome. Uh, and then of course, you know, uh, the, the Kyle Brandt thing. And and I've got to show it, I've got to play it because I've got it here. So if you did not catch the Kyle Brandt thing, so more than likely there's some of you that didn't, I'm gonna play it for you real quick. So Kyle Brandt setting it up, announced the Buffalo Bills fourth round draft pick. Uh, he did good morning football in New York and then flew after that to uh, Vegas. And then this is what he did for the Bills fourth round pick.
0: Good
2: evening, Las Vegas. Good evening, my brothers and sisters on the NFL Network, and good evening, Western New York. I find it perfect that the Bills are drafting in this city of luck, of chance, because you all know, and I know, the only thing in this world that can stop Josh Allen is the flip of a coin. So Mafia, mount up, and every other fan base, listen up. Chiefs fans Raiders fans Bengals fans in my hands I hold the most important pick of this entire round because this pick is the only pick who will win the Super Bowl in his rookie year with the 89th pick of the 2022 NFL draft the Super Bowl 57 champion (laughs) Buffalo Bills select my man, Jarrell Bernard, linebacker Baylor. Woo!
1: So, yeah, that was Cal Brand, And I had it wrong. I apologize. Everybody in the chat, in the comment section, is actually tell me. Stevie did the second round pick, and uh Kyle had the third. I apologize. So I had it in my notes wrong. So I knew that. I just put it in my notes wrong. And then literally, I Ron, Burg- Ron Burgundy'd that and read the notes as they kind of went. But um uh, for all intents and purposes, it was just, it was a great, it was a great, it was a great production. It was a great experience. I wish I could have been there. Um, overall, the venue was great. The only thing that confused me was the two the two sets, the two stages. Because, like, all day for, like, a couple of days, they had talked up the floating stage, right? They had talked about how, you know, right in front of the Bellagio, in front of the fountains, they had that little tiny stage, and it was like a floating stage, and that's where everything was going to happen. And then they talked about high winds, that there was potential high winds in Vegas, and that they might, you know, figure it out or have to do something different. And then they get to the event and it's under this big giant arch like dome thing, which looked temporary, like a temporary thing that they had kind of put up for the weekend and all that production stuff was there. And there's no way that they pivoted that fast. So my, I'm, I'm just confused about the messaging. Cause it, had it been in front of the Bellagio, it would have been amazing or maybe the first round, but I don't know where, to, where they would have put all those people. If you've been to Vegas, which I have, excuse me, many times. Vegas, the Bellagio fountains that pond, it's the pond, the sidewalk, and then the strip. So I don't know where you're putting, what, I don't even know how many people are there, 50,000, 20,000, 20, 20, even if it was 10,000 people standing there. So I was a little confused about that, and maybe there's answers out there that I missed. But I absolutely love Vegas. I always have. I love old Vegas. Um, the whole entire experience was fantastic. We're about five minutes away from uh, Bruce joining us, which is awesome. So sit tight. But getting to the Buffalo Bills, so just jumping over real quick to the Bills before we bring in uh, Mr. Exclusive himself. Brandon Bean said the point of emphasis for this offseason, as far as this draft, was to address address the corner position and 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 basically fill depth on the roster. And boy, did they. You know, and he feels like he said in his presser that they helped themselves in this draft, but they will keep their options open in free agency to keep getting better, which is exciting to me because for me. There was a great deal of, oh, man, how do you want to say it? The national media pundits are all over the fact that, like, this team has no holes, This, you know, they they they, they, they filled every spot they needed to. And I'm like, what about interior offensive line? Interior offensive line is still somewhat of a concern because right now your, your backup guards are Ike Bucker, who I like, and Cody Ford. We'll see. But when you go through these picks real quick, as far as just who they took in the first round, your Elam out of Florida, first round pick number 23. They moved up two spots to get him. They gave up a four. It's funny to me because when I saw what it took to get him to, to move up to 23, a four, you're like, oh, a first and four, like, we'll give him 25. We'll give him our fourth. You're like, no big deal. And then you get to the fourth round and you're like, there's a lot of good players left. And I think Brandon Bean kind of felt that too. We probably shouldn't have like, I think he said, I wish we had been able to keep our four. Obviously they got back, but we reg- got back into the fourth, but regardless. Okay, your Elam six foot one, uh, six foot one and a half. Actually, he, he ran a four point three nine forty, long and fast. Fits his zone and press man schemes. He basically fits the Bills scheme perfectly. He's twenty years old, super young. And this is something about like the Bills and what they do when they draft people. I was I was researching this today. They draft young guys: Josh Allen, young, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, young. This kid, young. They just draft young guys that are basically pieces of clay that they can mold. He's a talented player who should match up well with Trey once he gets back. Second round pick, number 63, James Cook out of Georgia. If you weren't excited about this draft, you should be because of this guy right here. And I have I've pointed questions I want to ask Bruce real quick about this. Bruce is coming up in about four minutes. Brandon Bean said in his post-draft uh, presser that he overemphasized his, his, the the receiving abilities of James Cook. And make no mistake, he can run the football. So in his first presser he said that you know this is a guy didn't catch up the backfield blah 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 and then he came back and said i overemphasized that like we expect this kid to run and it's funny because there's a narrative out there right now that he does not have the size to be a three down running back but he has the potential in my opinion to be bigger than dalvin james cook is 5'11, 1 and he was 199 at the combine he's an inch taller than his brother and he's 10 pounds lighter dalvin cook is 5'10, uh 209 so my guess is is 10 pounds. You put 10 pounds on that frame, it shouldn't be too much of a big deal. He runs a 4.42, he's actually faster than his brother. He translates best to a wide zone scheme, which the Bills may be moving to, which makes me a little bit concerned. He's talented with the ball on the ground and receiving, and if he gets in, into open space, look out, he's going to be hard to get a hold of. Third round pick number 89, Terrell Bernard uh, Terrell Bernard out of Baylor, sorry. There's a lot of people talking about him being a mirror image of Matt Milano. He was widely considered the heart and soul of his college football team at Baylor. That was from his coach. He's a will let linebacker. Like he's, he's he's everything that you think of. when you think about Matt Milano when the bills drafted Matt Milano? Think of Terrell Bernard. So it, not that he is Matt Milano, but there's measurables and yada, 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 that make him look a lot like Matt Milano. He's great in coverage. He also shoots O line gaps. Well, He's almost six foot one, 224 pounds. He ran a uh, 4.58, 40 time. It was a little bit of a reach. And to be honest with you, it's a little bit unknown right now what the plan is for him. As far as he's not going to replace Tremaine Edmonds. So if that's what you're thinking, you can forget that thought. He's not going to replace Tremaine Edmonds. He's almost backup for Matt Milano and kind of a, if they need a third, he's almost like the replacement for AJ Klein where AJ was not good in coverage, this, guy, this kid is. This is the pick I love. The fourth pick, number 148. The Bills moved up to get him uh, Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. This kid is a human highlight reel with incredible hands and acrobatic catches. He's got great body control. He's got great ball skills. He outworks defenders for the ball. Solid route runner. Brandon Bean said he's a very smart and cerebral guy who can switch mentally mentally uh in game so during the game he can switch mentally to play different wide receiver positions this is what I can tell you I know this for a fact because I've talked to players about it the Bills have one of the most complex offenses in the NFL and the Bills brass covet wide receivers that can come in and learn all of those positions so the slot the x and the y the what the x y and the z right and this is a kid that can do that in their opinion It's not something that every offense can do or every player can do. He has been a punt returner in college, although not often, primarily because he was Boise State's primary weapon. And if he gets a step on you, if he's got the ball and he gets a step on you, it's over. He's just under six feet tall, 196. We're in a 4'4", 340. I'm really excited about that pick. Super duper excited about that pick. But right now, what I want to do is I want to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, bringing in Bruce Nolan, host of the Bruce exclusive and food for thought on Friday nights right here on Buffalo Rumley's YouTube. Self-proclaimed recluse, yet all around nice guy. And the only guy who cried more tears of
3: joy than Kenny uh, Piggins. Bruce, how are you? I'm fantastic. I am. Well, good. If I was doing better, they would lock me away and think I was crazy because <laughs> it's just disco balls and dancing girls, like literally all the time. That's all it is here so I'm wait I'm all you got dancing girls at home you got dancing girls at your house my wife is in the other room (laughs) dancing right now there was some weird trippy intro to a television show that we were watching and she was doing the like the like the silhouette James Bond girl dance you know how every intro to every James Bond movie has silhouettes of women dancing for no apparent reason right my wife was doing one of those and uh yeah absolutely yeah we're having a good time over here at the Nolan household well, I'm
1: having a good time here at the Miller household just talking about this draft. I enjoyed the draft. I had a blast. So what were your first reactions overall? Just your over, like you're just, what's well, not
3: overwhelming, but your overall draft feelings towards the draft in 2022. What'd you think? It was a good strong nod on my part. A really good strong nod. I walked away from the draft and I went, hmm, just a good, hmm, manly, hmm. You know, I didn't make any sort of non-manly noises because I would never do that and right right I felt good about it I felt that the cornerback two position being addressed is obviously something that I've been pounding the table for for what feels like years because it actually has been years right um Elam was a tier two cornerback for me so it Mm. wasn't like the ideal draft but it was still good I can imagine in my head a draft that was better right so it's it's Mm. impossible for me to give anything an A plus because A-plus is 99 or 100, historically speaking, which means almost right, entirely right. perfect or perfect, right? And so A-plus is basically just never going to come out of my mouth when it comes to that. Because I can imagine a scenario where the board falls differently and I would have liked it to do that thing. But every single time I go, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, I see that. And so for me... <laughs> The it's almost like the draft just avoiding lots of head scratchers is good enough for me. So, for example, right. uh, you remember when Brian Arakpo was on the board and the Bills took Aaron May, yep. right? That was a head no, scratcher, no. right? Let's At just, 11. Let's just avoid significant <laughs> head scratchers. It's almost like a win in the draft right. is just avoiding the L. <laughs> That's what winning nice. is. So for me, the best thing I can say about this draft is I didn't feel like it was an L, so for me, gotcha. that's a W because just in the absence of L, it's like darkness and light, right? What is light is simply absence of darkness. Same concept. In right. this case, it's a W because there's the absence of the L.
1: Nice. The Jets were close to an A plus. The Jets early on did really, really well. I didn't. I'm not aware at this point of how they did in rounds, you know, four, five, six, and seven, but. Their the top of their draft was was pretty solid as far as that goes. What did you have any thoughts on Brandon Bean's comments? Did you catch any Brandon Bean's post game or post game post draft stuff? Was there anything that stuck out to you at all?
3: Yeah, I think that him saying that uh, Cook was gonna be a, a sub package back and basically saying you do this because you didn't get J D McKissick that was right. interesting to me because it's not like it's not like we're dealing with a James White. Here, right? Yeah, I think right. that Cook is a more talented runner than J.D. McKissick. I think he's a more talented runner than James White. But you think, okay, if he's a sub-back, and that's all he's ever going to be, if it's not going to be a, a timeshare, if it's not going to be a committee, if it's just going to be a sub-back, why did you spend a second round on him? Because there were right. running backs who you could have picked who were more bell cow-ish than before, right? unless you are actually planning to use him as a wide receiver, as a running back and slot receiver. Right? Because if he's just James White, if he's just J.D. McKissick, I don't think that's worth a second-round pick. If he's J.D. McKissick, if it's James White, and he's also taking some of Cole Beasley, then okay. But then you have Khalil Shakir. So it, right. it, it's very interesting to me. <laughs> I, I wonder if there's going to be – obviously, this is the time of year when we start extrapolating. Right, This is the time where we right. wonder out loud, and then everyone gets mad at us because we wonder out loud. But the thing I'm wondering out loud about is I'm, I'm wondering out loud about underutilization.
1: So I'm wondering out loud, and if you were, if you're still hanging around, I know you were backstage early, but if you were still hanging around, if you went up and got a drink or went to the bathroom or something like that, and you missed it, that's fine. But what I'm wondering out out loud about is this notion, this idea that because of the way that he was utilized in Georgia, and we're off script now, so I apologize, um, the way that he was utilized in Georgia, and basically due to his measurables, that somehow he's not a three-down back. Meanwhile, he's an inch taller than his brother, and he's only 10 pounds lighter, which to me, 10 pounds of muscle... When you go from 21, 22, 23 to 25 is easy. Like I remember when I leaned over the first time and I felt rolls on my side when my when I just started gaining weight as a young man. Like that to me seems like muscle or just weight in general is easy. Do you buy into that idea that for, for James Cook that
3: somehow he can't be a three down running back?
1: I don't think it's about
3: weight because he's almost identical size to Jamal Charles. You remember Jamal Charles? Gotcha. He actually looks, I mean, if you pull up, if you want to have a good time while I'm talking, you can pull it up. Pull up the RAS profile for Jamal Charles and then pull up the RAS profile for James Cook. They are literally almost identical. And Jamal Charles, one of my favorite running backs of all time. I think it's more skill related than it is size related. So James Cook is not someone who you would consider to have elite contact balance. I talked about Ty Chandler a lot leading up to the draft. And Ty Chandler was one of my favorite players in the draft. On day three, and the reason why he was a day three running back is because he didn't have great contact balance. You know, Dalvin Cook has very good contact balance. One of the reasons why I had to push back a little bit against the idea that James Cook could be Alvin Kamara is because the utilization doesn't change the skill set. Could you utilize him the way Alvin Kamara is utilized? Sure, absolutely. But Alvin Kamara is is extremely strong, right? Mm, Extremely strong, right? Uh, Devin Singletary is closer to being Alvin Kamara than James Cook is just from gotcha. a skill set standpoint so the contact balance is the thing I think that makes them shy away from that but let's let's be completely reasonable if your line is good enough the contact balance isn't all that important
1: right and that's the thing is he makes he's he he's known for making guys miss especially if they're in the hole he's known for his speed so my question is is why can't the comp be a little bit better than dalvin cook if he's a little bit bigger than his brother if he puts on the little bit weight a little bit of weight that he needs to put on and I'm not saying that it's you know, brothers are all the same. Obviously, you've got Fred Jackson and Patrick Jackson. One played the NFL, one didn't. Um, But for all intents and purposes, he's faster than his brother. He's taller than his brother. He potentially could weigh more than his brother. Like his measurables are better than his brothers. Why wouldn't the natural comp be
3: Dalvin Cook? Maybe a little better. I think it's just the contact balance. That's what I think. I think it's the strength. I think it's the contact balance. I think that they have different body types. They may wear weigh close to the same amount in 10 pounds. But if you look at Dalvin Cook... He's thicker. He has thicker thicker. thighs. He has one of the things that NFL teams look at a lot that we don't really talk about because I think it's there's an uncomfortable level of talking about it is they look at body composition. I'll never forget. There was a pass rusher from Boise State a couple of years ago who was productive and he had good film. And I was like, what am I missing on this guy? What am I missing? I don't understand. Why does no one like him? And so I reached out to some people I know in the community and they're like, dude, NFL teams look at that guy and go, we don't like his body we don't like his body. Really? We don't think that he has the NFL body and it's going to take years to try and get him there. Like year 2 maybe yeah. he starts to get there, but we don't like the way his frame is built. And I'm like So what?
1: <laughs> so, so it's Robbie it's Robbie Anderson is what you're telling me. It's the Robbie Anderson. It's the Robbie, like Anderson, Robbie Anderson. He has
3: a weird body.
1: Yeah. He has a weird body.
3: Remember <laughs> you remember Merton Hanks, Joe? <laughs> oh my god. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So Merton Hanks had a weird looking body. You're like, what is going on weird with body. Merton Hanks? Right. So, for example, if I let's say let's say for the sake of this argument, let's say I'm six to two hundred pounds. Okay? okay. And somebody else next to me is six to two hundred pounds. They could look very, very, very different based on the way they carry oh, yeah. their weight. One of the things that you hear uncomfortably a large amounts of in the draft coverage is the offensive lineman. Man's got a bubble butt. He's got a bubble butt. Right. And they <laughs> love to talk about offensive lineman's butts. They're just huge right, fans, right? right? Because NFL teams care about that. And so I think that structurally, if you put another 10 pounds on James Cook, he still wouldn't look like Dalvin.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the butt for me, the biggest butt in the NFL, in my opinion, ever was uh, was Domita Pecco. Remember his butt? He had a huge butt. Like his butt was enormous, but he was a defensive lineman. So it's probably a little more acceptable. I remember
3: Lincoln Kennedy? Brought-
1: oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> We're having a good old time so we,
3: now. We're talking about butts <laughs> on a Sunday night.
1: Man butts. Man butts. <laughs> so we've talked about James Cook. Let's let's go back to your to uh, Elib. And I, you, you talked a second ago about, like, what am I missing is what you'd said. And I think that's what I want to know is, like, what are we missing when Brandon Bean says he was the last guy that was left that had a first-round grade on him, which at 23 – may speak to the fact that there was guys taken that didn't have a first-round grade. Cole Strange. Um, <laughs> and he's got a he's got a first-round grade on Ka- Ka'ir Elam. Meanwhile, a lot of the draft necks like yourself and just other people, including l- the little bit of research that I did for last week's show where I just wanted to give people names, and I mentioned Ka'ir Elam. I, I, I like What was the miss between him, do you think, versus maybe the way NFL GMs see him?
3: When you're talking about Ka'ir Elam? I think that one of the things that you got to consider is that much like Derek Stingley, the best tape for Kyrie Elam wasn't last year. Correct. That was not his best right. tape. So right. 2021 was probably his better tackling year, but it probably wasn't his best coverage year. Now it was because he was working through a knee injury for a lot of him, right. right. He was right. fighting through a knee right. injury, but 2020 Kyrie Elam was legit. Like I'm super good. Top 10 pick level. Good kind of skill. And, So it's easy for teams to just kind of leave out the context. I mean, Derek Stingley ended up being the number three overall pick, and he hasn't had really high-level tape since 2019. So in some cases, teams are willing to ignore it, and in other cases, it matters more. And it almost seems completely random as to when that happens and when it doesn't in the draft community. When do we criticize one guy, and when do we not criticize the other guy? And there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or a reason, because it's individual based on team. Now, mm. I, I think that there are probably – there's probably a really good chance that McDuffie and Elam were the last corners on Brandon Bean's board with the first-round grade. And when Kansas City trades up, they get McDuffie. Bean goes, okay, there's one guy. There's one guy. Booth. And Dallas – so, so go ahead. Not Booth? You don't think Booth was on his list? I highly doubt Booth was on the list. You know why? Because he didn't, he didn't wow. get taken in the first round. Medicals are bad on Booth. Medicals are really bad on Booth, like double,
1: double, double
3: groin, double hernia, neck, chronic knee condition. Like there's, there's stuff with Booth. And so I would not shock me at all. If McDuffie and Elam were the last two corners on the the first round draft board for them and McDuffie got taken and Bean was like, I think Dallas could take a corner here. I think there's a very Mm. reasonable chance. Dallas could take a corner. And also I think there's a chance someone could jump us because it's out there that we need a corner. And so one of the problems with having telegraphed needs, one of the issues with having telegraphed needs is it allows you to get jumped. One of the great things about Brandon Bean that we don't talk about is we talk a lot about filling the holes before the draft so you can take the best player available. And we talk Mm. about that. Mm. We don't talk about the the strategy behind that. We don't talk about game theory. And we should. One of the things that one of the best things you can do is not let your opponents know what you're going to do. NFL teams are very protective of their information for that very reason. Well, let's be honest. You've seen draft boards on other teams' walls that have team needs for other teams. We know they Mm. do this. We know they do this. So we know that teams line up every other team and go, what are their needs? The best thing you can do is make that board as vague as possible. Well, guess what? The Bills did not do it this year when it comes to cornerback. Everybody in the world knew the Bills needed a quarterback. And you know what the cost (laughs) of that was? A fourth-round pick. That's the cost. The cost of telegraphing your need was a fourth-round pick. Because now you can't be sure you're not going to get jumped. So that's the – I think that, quite frankly, sometimes you just got to do it. So McDuffie went, and I think there's a very reasonable chance that Brandon Bean goes, okay, we got one guy left. Dallas could take a corner and we could get jumped. I'm not going to take mm-hmm. that risk. We're spending the fourth. Let's get our guy. Let's go. And he flat yep. out said yep. afterwards that he felt better when that was over. If you feel yep. better yep. when it's over, that means you were feeling anxious.
1: Oh, you were nervous for sure. For sure. So let, I've only got you for a couple more minutes. Cause I want to respect your time tonight. Uh, thoughts on Khalil Shakir, because to me, I knew nothing about this kid. And then when I watched this film, I was like, Oh,
3: <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So, I was an Amon Ross St. Brown guy last year. Mm. I was a big Amon Ross St. Brown guy. I tried to get him in my Dynasty Fantasy League. It did not work out. I was very upset. I ended up swinging a right. trade for him later because I needed to move on from move off Aaron Rodgers. So I actually ended up getting uh, Amon Ross St. Brown on my team, but I was a big fan. And then, of course, at the end of last year, Amon Ross St. Brown became a really, really good player, doing yes, similar did. things to what you could see and envision from Khalil Shakir. Shakir is a player where he doesn't have the length to do a lot of the catch radius stuff that you'd like him to do. So this idea that he's going to be a very explosive downfield receiver who's going to go up and posterize dudes, it's just not not that guy, right? Just mm-hmm. He's totally not that guy. But if you want to play him in the slot, if you want to design things for him, if you want to put him in the backfield, you can do that. It almost feels like Khalil Shakir is the inverse of James Cook. James Cook is a Mm. running back who can play receiver. Khalil Shakir is a wide receiver who can play running back. And so when you start to look at the idea that you can go move into this positionless sort of football, then these are the types of players you want. You want players who can be positionless. They want running backs who can catch the ball. You want wide receivers who can, can hand the ball. And you might think, well, we already have that. Khalil Shakir is probably a better runner than Isaiah McKenzie. Sorry. I Mm. I don't don't please don't be mad at me, right? But Khalil Shakir is probably a better ball handler and a better ball carrier than Isaiah McKenzie. He's also bigger. So that helps. He can he can hold up. If you wanted to split him into the backfield, you can do that. If you want to run him out wide, you can do that. If you want to keep in the slot, you can do that. And so Shakir was a massive part of the Boise State offense, like 30 plus right. percent of the offense the last year. And right. I know the Golden Tate comparisons, quite frankly, get tiresome for me. Every single receiver who hmm. is short hmm. and a good yak guy, every single one of them goes, Oh, it's Golden Tate. It is the most overused comp ever. So I'm going to comp him to Amon Ross St. Brown from last year. And he went in the fourth round, ended up being a productive player. He's got the right yeah. football character. Dan Campbell raves over him, and I think Khalil Shakir can be that kind of player for the Buffalo Bills.
1: I like it. Real quick, one sentence, thoughts on Cole Strange and that where he was drafted.
3: <laughs> if he ends up being good, nobody's going to care.
1: True, but for a guard projected, I don't. we can move on. Bruce, I thank you for your time. So, like, literally, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, you are... As you know, I just respect the work that you do, and I respect the, the knowledge that you have about just this type of stuff. Real quick, even though I said it at the top when you came in, let everybody know where they can find you and uh, how they can get more
3: of your stuff. If there, by some chance, is a reason why you would want to hear more from me, then you can do that. You, that's that's your prerogative. Hey, it's your funeral, dude. You can do whatever you want. So right. you can find me on Twitter and Scram at Bruce Exclusive. My show, The Bruce Exclusive, which is a podcast, not video. Drops every Thursday morning on the Buffalo Rollings Podcast Network, and my show, the Food for Thought Show with uh, Nate Geary from WGR, is Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and we talk about football and food metaphors, and it's a good time. We crack open a beer, and we kick up our shoes, and we have a good time. It's a nice way to Thank relax you. after a relax after a good uh relax after a good week or a bad week Thank or you. just a middling week. It's fine too. It, it, it's
1: a good show. Thank you so much for, being a part, for for coming on and joining us tonight, Bruce. I hope you have a, a great rest of your evening, and uh, enjoy this week, sir. Catch you later, dude. Later. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Mr. Exclusive himself, Bruce Nolan, uh, who I am uh, proud to say is one of my friends, and I get to hang out with him and uh, and chat with him about this kind of stuff all the time. But uh, there is a uh, – what do I want to say? This was just – this was a fantastic weekend. Any way that you look at it, any way that you slice it, it was just a wonderful – It was just it was an experience right you know from from the trading and the the players big name players aj brown moving during the draft uh to to the the players that were picked the lights of vegas in my opinion they could move the draft to vegas every year and they would it would be better than it is if it's going to be in nashville if it's going to be in cleveland or whatever indianapolis or wherever they move it to next Keep that thing in Vegas. Vegas is just a, it's a, you know, New York city used to be the city that never sleeps. We can probably give that moniker to Vegas in 2022. Just let it, just let it run and let it roll. It just is what it is. But ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the overreaction sports show brought to you by the market dominator on the Buffalo rumblings vodcast network. I'm your host, the voice of the overreaction sports show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller wired. It's so good to have you. I'm really, really, really tremendously looking forward to uh just mini camp, rookie mini camp, and just seeing your Elam, James Cook, especially, Khalil Shakir, Matt Areza, the punt god. I'm excited to see all these guys. But uh if uh if you're rolling around Twitter, do me a favor, hit me up, interact with me a little bit. Otherwise. Do me a favor, let somebody know about uh, this show. If you enjoy this show and you think you've got a friend that might enjoy it too, let them know about The Voice and let them know about me and The Overreaction Show. But appreciate you guys, love you. As always, until next week. Oh, 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 I almost forgot. The John Phoenix Show returns tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to do a special draft version of the John Phoenix Show, the Off Tackle John Fiena Show, tomorrow, Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to see all of you that are in the in the in the in the room now i want to see you back next week appreciate you guys love you so much go bills